Can you hear me okay? I, don't, I hope you go at home and not have your cat run over by something. Um, I would just want to, we want to show a quick video just to give you an introduction to ourselves before we bring the message today. Um, I hope this video will show you a little bit about what we do in Mexico. Um, for those of you that can't read like the subtitles, because some of them speak in English and the subtitles are in English, talk to me afterward. I can give you the link and um, we, you can get, find it on your own computer and, and see, see what they're saying. So I apologize to that. So go ahead. A lot of my friends would not be believers in Christ if it weren't for Transformados. Simplemente Transformados es familia, amor, cariño, Transformados es todo. Una familia está ahí para las buenas y las malas y es igual lo que consiste en el equipo de Transformados. It's like a refugio for my soul. Because sometimes I think that there's not good people in this world. But then when I come to Transformados, I realize that there's still good people that do things for others. We would love to see lives of these youth and their families transformed. And to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and to be able to impact their community and their city and their country. Some of the big needs that we see in the local community are teen alcoholism, drug usage is way up, abuse in the families. Many of our youth, thankfully, that have joined in with us, they see it as a way to get off the streets and be doing something positive. And I think most of them that have parents around are really grateful that their kids are being exposed to something positive to do. La confianza que me dio no sé es que yo como padre puedo dejar a mi niña y mi niña disfrute con con ustedes eso para mí como padre tiene mucho valor. It's like a lot of people that you won't imagine that they come together in the same place. They are girls, boys, people that like one type of music, another type of music. I don't, really don't think that if we will meet in another place, we will get so well with each other. For me, it's like a second home. Para mí como padre, fue muy hermoso ver a mi hija que se desenvolviera y que tuviera más amigos. So when I come to Transformados, it's like all my friends are here, so I can feel comfortable, because it's like a place when you can just be. It's been really exciting to see these kids be exposed to different sports, to just see the diversity that it is now creating in Transformados, that they're starting to see we're not just basketball. And it's also helping us reach more within the community. It's a great support for the community of Transformados, at least here in my community. It's a focus of light in the middle of things that we don't know where to direct. Sports is a way of bringing the community together and opening up doors that otherwise I would never have that opportunity to do. So it's really cool to be able to use basketball and bring in certain spiritual points into the basketball program. 
and talk about unity, talk about treating others with respect, talking about team building. Respecto. ¿Cómo podemos hacerlo en la casa, en la escuela? It's a non-threatening way to teach the gospel. Yes, we enjoy playing sports and doing all these things, having them over for coffee and everything, but ultimately we want them to get connected to God and, and know His love in, in a transforming way in their lives. La primera semana que estuve transformados, me sentí como muy libre porque vi que podía ser como una familia. Pues antes de entrar transformados, yo era católico. Realmente, cuando entré transformados, tenía como cuatro años que no iba a la iglesia. Entonces, lo que me hizo cambiar a ser cristiano fue que vi las personas transformados, vi que ellos actuaban diferente. Me hizo pensar y decir, ¿por qué yo no soy así? ¿Qué es lo que está cambiando entre ellos? Y ellos me dijeron que ellos eran cristianos y que tenían Dios en su corazón. Y fue lo que me hizo cambiar en pocas maneras en conocer a Dios y estar en camino con Él. I have seen a lot of change in my life. So one reason why I started basketball and transformados was because I had to learn to play in a team. So right now, I just start passing a lot and I see, oh, it doesn't depend on me if we win or not. It's like a team effort. And just being with friends that, you know, they'll help you, that, that helps a lot and helps you grow in your faith. Cuando yo conocí el equipo, pensé que era simplemente un, un equipo así de que eh, solamente baloncesto. Ya de partir de ahí, pues ya miramos que tenían hacia un propósito que era conocer la palabra de Dios, principalmente mi, mi carácter que se ha cambiado pues ya lo que es positivo porque antes era muy negativo, era muy enojón, muy grosero. En esa manera yo me di cuenta cómo pues el equipo influía a mi vida, cómo poco a poco Dios me estaba transformando y de esa manera quiero pues enseñar a las personas cómo es la relación con Jesús. Several of them have talked about that Transformers isn't just a team, it's family. They know that we're going to be there for them. They can fool around with each other, they can be serious with each other, they can pray for each other, and they just feel like this is home for them. It's more than just a basketball thing, so it's life and living life together, community. We don't want just to be a basketball club. Our main focus is their spiritual life. I hope that gives you a, a little view of what we do. Again, if you couldn't read it, please let me know, um, and we can um, 
show you where to, where to find that. It's a privilege to be here. I've been following your pastor and his travels around France and all the other th- places he's going. Um, sounds like he's more busy then than, than he is here, but uh, we, we pray that he has a good trip and uh, a good time. And uh, it's a privilege to be here, and it's, we, the last time we were here was probably, I, I believe, four or five years ago. Um, and so, it's, again, it's a privilege to be here. Now, for those of you who thought they were going to sleep, I'm sorry. Um, hopefully you don't. And for those of you that don't like school, I'm sorry, because I'm going to start out with an exam. So, I work with youth, and so I don't mind noise. So it's, you guys got to talk a little bit, okay? So just yell out your answers. I know in school you had to raise your hand, but I'm just going to have you guys just yell out answers if you, if you know them. Um, so we're going to start with your Bible knowledge. How well do you know the Bible, okay? Who did God charge with taking care of the animals he created in the Garden of Eden? Adam, excellent. Hey, one for one. Okay, good. Um, who did God use to save the land animals and humanity from extinction by the great flood? Noah, okay. Who did God choose to be the father of his people, the nation of Israel? Okay. Who was the instrument for saving the nation of Israel from famine? Joseph, okay. Who led the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt? Moses, okay. Everyone's like, okay, what's the next one? Oh, no. Old Testament. Um, okay. Um, who concealed and aided Israelite spies in Jericho? Okay. Who helped lead the nation of Israel in its conquest of the land of Canaan? Okay. <laughs> A little less voices. Okay. Who was the king that delivered Israel from the Philistines as well as other enemies? David. Okay. Which king of Israel built the temple? Okay. Who led the, who led the rebuilding of the temple? A little bit harder. Nehemiah, Ezra. Okay. Um, Which queen did God use to save his people from genocide? Esther. What group of people is responsible for writing the bulk of the Old Testament? Well, this is a group. The prophets. Okay. Uh, So that's good. You guys did really, really well in the Old Testament. Now we're going to move to New Testament. You guys should get this one. Get these. Who was the messenger sent to declare the coming of the Messiah? John the Baptist, okay. Who gave their five loaves of bread and two fish that Jesus used to feed over 5,000? A small boy. What was his name? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) If you study the Greek. No, no. Um, Okay, who was the rock upon which the church was built? Peter. Jesus, okay. Who led thousands to belief in Jesus on the day of Pentecost? The disciples, the apostles, when they received the the Spirit. Okay, who turned from persecuted to missionary, helping to start churches all over the known world? Paul. Okay. Now, the trick question, the final question. If you get this, you can um, get 100%. What do all of these have in common? What, who do, what do they have all in common? The Old Testament, New Testament, all these, all these uh, people. Okay. Okay. What's that? Excellent. They're all people. The others are true too, but my main point is that they're all humans. They're all like us. As one reads through the Bible, it's increasingly evident that God uses people, imperfect as we are, to accomplish his will in the world. It is both an awesome and a sobering thought to me at the same moment. It's awesome to think that the Lord can use me to help accomplish his will on earth, but it's also sobering because I must remember to keep that a priority in my life as many other things seek to distract me 
from that important goal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the privilege I have to share um, and to listen to your word. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Thank you for salvation. Lord, I pray that we would listen to your word, that we would listen to what you're saying to us today. In your name, amen. It's clear that God desires also to use his church. His church is composed of humans like us to accomplish his work. As we function in his body the way that he intended, we are a force to be reckoned with. In fact, I would go as far to say that after God, the church is the next greatest force in this world. With Jesus as the head and the church as the body, we are invincible. And the Bible says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. I have one more question for you. What was one of Jesus' final commissions to the apostles before returning to heaven? Do you remember? Excellent. We find that in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28. So today we're going to explain, explore a little bit more in depth of what our role is in making disciples and spreading the gospel. Now, they told me I only had a little bit of time, like four or five hours. So I hope you guys have eaten and you're all set because we're just going to dig in, okay? No, I'm kidding. All the, all the youth are like, oh man, no. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm used to talking with you, sorry. Okay, so uh, turn with me to Romans 10 or find it on your phone. I was telling another church that I remember the first time that someone got up front and all they had was their Palm Pilot. I'm going to date myself a little bit. But they got their Palm Pilot. And I'm like, they were supposed to read Scripture. And I'm like, what are they doing? They don't even have their Bible. So anyway, so if you have your iPad or your phone or your Bible, whatever, open to Romans 10. And while, we, while our focus today is on verses 13 through 17 of Romans 10, um, I'd like to read with you from the beginning of the chapter to help see the context, as well as a parallel with many of the people we encounter in Mexico um, where we minister. So Romans 10, 1 through 17. Brothers, my heart's desire my pr and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteous... Righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on him, all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
As I already mentioned, I was able to see a parallel between Paul's description here of the Israelites and many in Mexico. There are many who are definitely zealous for God and are seeking to please Him through works that they believe will help them get to heaven. Our greatest desire is to help them learn that only one thing is needed, a life-changing encounter with God, where they accept by faith the complete work that Jesus did on the cross on their behalf. God's desire is that all people would have that type of life-transforming relationship with him. And as Christians, we all have the important role and privilege in spreading the gospel. Notice I said all of us, not just me, not just your pastors, all of us have that responsibility. Let's take a closer look at verses 13 through 17 in order to examine more closely our role in spreading the gospel. So, first of all, in verse 13, we see what the aim is. So, at Moody Bible Institute, where I went to school, they taught us that in this sermon you have to have three points, and they all have to have like a beginning letter or whatever the same. Anyway, we decided to go ahead and do that. So the first one is the aim, if you're taking notes. The aim. What is the aim? In verse 13, the aim is salvation of the lost. There are so many in this world who have never even heard the gospel and are utterly lost. In Mexico, there are many who are deeply religious and devout, yet are still spiritually lost. And God wants to see the lost found. I don't know about you, but growing up, I had a picture in my room of, it was an old Sunday school picture, that's the only way to describe it, of Jesus holding a lamb with a bunch of lambs around him. It, it was an older style type of picture. Maybe some of you had some of that type of same, same Sunday school pictures. But I was always fascinated with that story of the lost sheep. And so in Luke 4, 15, it says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So like the shepherd in the parable, God's desire is to see the lost found. And he rejoices over each and every one that is. We all need to be aware of those around us that may be lost spiritually, that God is placing in our lives so that we can share with them the gospel. So my question for you is, who is around you that may be spiritually lost? Could it be somebody that you work with? Could it be somebody that you sit next to in school? Could it be um, somebody that you know in your neighbors, to your left, to your right, someone who lives across the street? Who next to you who near you needs to hear the gospel? How might God use you to share his love with them? It could be as simple as a smile. It could be a conversation. Or it could even be a pickup game of basketball, which obviously we do a lot of that. Along with the aim, salvation of the lost, Paul also provides the approach for our role in spreading the gospel in verses 14 and 15. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the approach is the four elements of evangelism. What are the four elements of evangelism? The Bible is very clear that there is only one way to have a restored relationship with God. And that is through belief in Jesus Christ as Savior. The primary element of salvation is that the gospel must be believed. So the gospel must be believed. The logical next step 
is that the gospel needs to be heard so that it may be believed. And as you can probably guess, the third element, that in order to hear the gospel, someone has to proclaim it. And finally, people must be sent out with the gospel to proclaim it. In Matthew 9, we see Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers into his harvest. Matthew 9. The harvest is ripe in southern Baja, where we work. And at times, we get overwhelmed by the needs and the extreme needs that we see around us. As drug use continues to rise, the average age is 11 when they start. Alcoholism is also a big problem. And the state of Baja, Baja California is ranked high for dropout rates as well as teen pregnancy. Abuse is rampant and even accepted behavior in many areas, many situations. At the root of all these problems is the spiritual need. And the church, his body, has a solution, the only lasting solution. We are excited to be part of what he's doing through um, the body to share the life-transforming message of the gospel in La Paz and are so very grateful for your partnership with us and allowing us to be there. So we have the aim and we have the, the, uh, the approach. The approach is the gospel must be believed, the gospel must, needs to be heard, the gospel needs to be proclaimed, and people must be sent out with the gospel. This applies both globally as well as locally. We all have a responsibility to be messengers of God's truth to a lost world. And I want to encourage you once more to consider those God has placed in your life who may be spiritually lost and pray about what he wants you to do with them and how to proclaim the gospel to them. Find ways to do it. You don't need to be a preacher. We, God has gifted all of us with specific talents and giftings. We can use those to spread the gospel. So when thinking about our role in spreading the gospel, we not only have the aim— salvation of the lost, and the approach. But Paul also provides a little advice or reminders in verses 16 and 17. He says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. There are two pieces of advice or reminders in these verses. Number one, not everyone will choose to believe after they heard. And number two, it is the message of God's word, not man's message. It is not our message. It's God's message. Um, I used to work with a gentleman named Javier. He didn't have any legs. He was in a wheelchair. And we used to have a little Bible study with him on Sunday mornings. And he heard the gospel. I don't know how many times we shared the gospel with him from me, from others. We shared, we shared, we talked about it. He seemed to want to cover all his bases, so when we arrived, the Catholic priest was leaving, and before the Catholic priest was another religion that he had at his house. Um, he was trying to cover his bases. And so when I was with him, when he was on, in the hospital the final time before he passed away, he was unconscious, but I shared the gospel again, and so we don't know. He continued to be angry at God for losing his legs, but we don't know. But many will choose not to believe, even if they hear. It can be hard to share the gospel because it's a chance that you're going to be rejected, that the gospel is going to be rejected. Sadly, not everyone who hears will choose to believe. We all know that our battle is a spiritual battle, and Satan's not just going to lie down. He's going to fight all the way when we are sharing the gospel with others. One of his greatest tools that he uses against us is discouragement. If he can discourage us enough to stop us from stepping out and sharing the gospel, then he has won that battle. If we're too scared to share, he's won because we're not doing it. Um, 
it's also important to remember that it's not about us, it's about God. We notice that many times Satan likes to attack the family. So when things are going really, really well, we've noticed a pattern in, in transfer models and other ministries that we've been involved in. Satan likes to attack the family. Add some discouragement. Do some other things. And so it gets, your, gets you off track. But we need to remember that it is God's message. God is in charge and God has the victory. He will do the work. We are to plant the seeds and he will do the work. Even during situations where it seems we, what we have shared is rejected, he promises that his word will not return void. It is his message and not ours. We must always come back to his word and his message. There is life-transforming power in the word of God, and it is important to always stay grounded in his word and allow him to work. One of the first teenagers that came to Christ, his name's Octavio in Transformados, we worked with him for three years. He came as an atheist, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in a lot of things, but he was willing to learn. But it took three years, three years of constantly, okay, did he accept Christ? No, he hasn't yet. Wow, what are we going to do? It's been three years. But God worked in his heart, and he came to Christ. Some of you may have family members that you prayed for for years, and then they come to Christ. So don't give up. It is God's message, and God will grow the seeds. I want to encourage you today to think about this passage and our role in spreading the gospel. We have the aim, we have the approach, and we have the advice. As his body, we are all invited, all invited, and have a responsibility to take part we were working in a small group one time, and we were trying to help have them learn how to share with others, their friends, about the gospel. We were encouraging them to do that. And one of the ladies who had been a Christian for 25 years said, oh, but you went to seminary. You went to school to learn it, so you do it. And we had to share that, no, it, just because I went to school doesn't mean that we're all off the hook. Um, we all share the responsibility of sharing the gospel with those around us. Consider the loss that God has placed in your lives and how you can proclaim the gospel to them. You don't have to be a preacher or a missionary to proclaim the gospel. You can be creative. Be aware of what is going on and what people are interested in and look for ways to use those things as bridges for sharing the gospel. For example, you can do movies. Many people like movies. There are some great ones out there that we can use as bridges to span or to start spiritual conversations. Some other creative tools we've seen God use in Mexico are sports and hobbies. Um, as you saw in our video, the Lord has used basketball and other sports as an effective bridge because it's non-threatening and provides opportunities to develop relationships from which sharing the gospel can flow. My wife Patty has also seen the Lord use hobbies to build relationships and share the gospel. One evening, she shared with a group of women and youth how to make soap, and she shared about how God washed her heart free like soap washes our hands. She also has used opportunities to show adults and youth how to bake and, and to do things like that. By sharing time with them, she's been building relationships where she can share more deeply about the Lord. We enjoy board games. We also enjoy snacks and coffee. Many times people come over to our house and hang out. Our house is usually open, except for Sunday. Usually Sundays are kind of our day to, to rest. And, but we have kids there all the time, and they're playing games. We're talking about spiritual things. We have Bible studies. So use what you have around you. Many times, spiritual conversations can happen during times like that. The sky is really the limit in what the Lord will use to bring others to Him. And it is really, it really, there's really nothing more amazing than seeing a life that's been transformed 
by the gospel. So I'd like you guys to think, I'd like you folks to think, what can you do to share the gospel with others? What talents do you have? What interests do you have? You don't have to just do whatever the normal society says. You can do creative things like basketball. I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to use sports to share the gospel. But as it is, I have, well, pre-COVID, um, I, I have 60, 70 kids that I'm able to work with day in and day out, whereas I probably only have two or three come to church with me on a regular basis. So I have an opportunity to share with these folks using something that I love to do. And board games and hobbies and crafts, you can use whatever. God will use you in your area where he's placed you. So we have the aim, salvation of the lost. We have the approach, and we have the advice. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for your challenge to us to seek the lost, to serve you in this manner. Thank you that you, have, you, that you use us. And I pray that we would be aware of the people around us so that we can share your gospel with them so that they can come and have a life relationship with you and um, come into a relationship with you and receive eternal life. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.